Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two films with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of the never-ending story versus The Princess Bride. On Monday, it was an emotional show as we relived Artex sinking into the swamp of sadness as Atreo looks on in the never-ending story. And on today's episode, we're in the safe hands of TV's greatest ever detective, Lieutenant Columbo, in his secret identity as the actor Peter Falk. He's got another story to tell full of evil princes, Uh, uh, magic uh. and daring do but it is also a kissing book from 1987 we're talking about the princess bride so which movie will emerge victorious at the end of this show and be crowned the better film let's find out it's clash of the titles release the kraken hello clash potters i'm alex zane i'm vicky crompton and I'm Chris Tilly. And as you just heard, it's part two of The NeverEnding Story versus The Princess Bride. These were my choices. So I'll remind you of the connection. Old men, kids and books in the 80s. It wasn't really that. It was which movie from a fantasy novel does it matter? <laughs> so uh, Chris took us on a wonderful journey through The NeverEnding Story on Monday. Victoria, you had The Princess Bride. Uh, do you want to take us away? Sure. Uh, The Princess Bride. Think of it as a live action Shrek before there was Shrek, a pulse modern structure busting swashbuckler um, where lovely Robin Wright falls in love with the dashing Carrie Elwes before losing him to death at the hands of the dread pirate Roberts, or so she thinks. Uh, Then five years later, kidnapped on the eve of her wedding to Prince Humperdinck, Buttercup is briefly reunited with her true love, Wesley, after he battles the revenge-seeking Inigo Montoya, big man Fezzig, and cunning Vecini before he himself is captured by her would-be bridegroom. It's then down to Inigo and Fezzig to rescue the dead Wesley from the pit of despair and stop the wedding before the wedding happens. that do? That's, that's good. I mean, I would stress that Wesley is mostly 
dead. And <laughs> also, um, I, just while we're here, the three of us, you know, just shooting the breeze, are we going to decide on um, how we're pronouncing Carrie's oh, last I know. name? <laughs> I, thought with... it was, I thought it was Yules. Like, oh, I've Yules, got Elways. But, I, mean... <laughs> I don't think it's Elways. Okay. I I, I, Chris? I've I've never thought it wasn't Elwes. I I I'm really I'm with, I'm with Vicky, yeah. Oh, thanks, Bo. It's yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I'm happy to say it. However, uh, when I was younger, I thought it was Ewells, and then Ewells. Uh, um, but did now no I... one check this. Why did none of us check because, this? Because we're going to be talking because because it's Elwes. I've never questioned it. Yeah, I've never questioned it. I've met the man. I've met the man. <laughs> and, oh, okay. Um, and did you say a uh, nice to meet? Yeah, in 10 years' time, I'll be doing a podcast. And how do I pronounce your name <laughs> on that podcast? Um, well, how no, does Vicky the, pronounce the, it? The L's before the W, so it's got to be Elwes. Okay. That's what um, I think, yeah. All right. Um, I, he can get in touch. Yeah. I'm sure he's listening. Uh, pissed off that we can't get it right. So No, I've checked. I've checked. Well, well, well you, you are right, Victoria. I apologise. I It's me. You know, when you get stuck saying something from a child to an adult and you've never had to question it, I've always gone, ooh, um, which is wrong. You are right. It's Elwes. So apologies oh, to the listeners okay. for the last two minutes of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And apologies hey. to me again. So... Uh, no yeah. problem. Right, sorry, with your permission, I will get back on track. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Jeez. The war the land gave Humperdinck the right to choose his bride. The fabric will make the prince suspect the Gilderians have abducted his love. I never say anything about killing anyone. I just happened to look behind us and something is there. He's obviously seen us with the princess and let's therefore die. Pick up one of those rocks. Get behind the boulder. The minute his head is in view, hit it with the rock! I was not a sportsman, that. I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder. I'm swapped. <laughs> Jesus, Grandpa, what did you read me this thing for? Well, who says life is fair? Where is that written? Fencing, fighting, chases, escapes, giants, monsters, torture, revenge, true love, miracles. So this is the only the second time I've seen this film. I don't know if that surprises you. Um, so re-watching it for the podcast, I'm essentially... No, not essentially. That's not right. I was going to say, essentially watching it as an adult, but I am an adult, so I was actually watching it as an adult. Um, what about you two? <laughs> <laughs> what? I, did, that, did that whole bit end with going, I was actually watching it as an adult? <laughs> because... <laughs> Obviously, you were. Is that, yeah, is that not the um, the gold you've come to expect from me in this section? <laughs> well, I think what's happened is since that email came in saying that you were the best thing on the podcast. No, it said she was Dennis L- Rodman. It said she was Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. I realise the pressure. Like, yeah, I don't need the to pressure's try. Pressure's got hard. to you. <laughs> it has a bit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I know, the only way is down. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you watched it as an adult, which is good to know. I'm glad I watched there. it as an adult, yeah. Um, as an adult called Vicky in my house, actually. Um, <laughs> just last week. Yeah, that's my story. Excellent. Chris? Uh, I watched it on video, I think, when I was about 12. 
Um, I thought it was sweet, but I don't think it made that much of an impact on me. I think some of the jokes went over my head and a bit like uh, Fred Savage, I wasn't that interested in the romance. I think I was just more interested in action movies at the time. So yeah, it's a, I, I enjoyed watching it as an adult. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it were three for three because I too watched it as an adult. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, we can confirm we've all watched it as an adult. Uh, yeah, I'd watched it. I think I've watched it a couple of times at about sort of seven-year intervals. So I didn't watch it as a kid kid, but I watched it when I was still fairly young. Really liked it. Then watched it again once, I think, as a student. Really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it again as an adult. Yeah, because it's, it works on... I mean, on the never-ending story works on quite a dark level, on two levels, like for children and for adults. I think if you're an adult with a never-ending story, you get the darkness. But with The Princess Bride, it's more the humour. So the, a lot of the jokes um, are geared more towards grown-ups, especially there's a joke about breasts towards the end, which is a bit weird for kids. Um, oh, so uh, might that be the inappropriate boobs that I mentioned at the start of last episode? <clears throat> Can you remind me what this joke is? So I feel like I'm in the dark here, like, you know, under the shadow of some boobs. Oh, it's a great place to be. Um, Buttercup goes to stab herself through the heart and uh, Wesley sort of surprises her and says, there are too many imperfect breasts in the world. It would be a shame to ruin yours, right, 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 I think. Yeah, Which I remember isn't, it. Yeah, it's, in, it's, not, it's not the breasts that are inappropriate. That's why I didn't pick you up on it, Chris, before. It's not the breasts that are inappropriate. It's the joke itself. Um Agreed. No, no breasts are inappropriate ever. <laughs> That's also correct. Oh, apart from if they're sitting next to you at cinema, am I right? Uh, it's more yeah. the noise. I, I was happy Feeding to look at them. I was happy to look at them. It was just the noise. Oh my that... god! Oh my god! You are the worst person in the world. I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear Ian McKellen because all I could hear. Was... Oh wow. <laughs> So would you like to know a little bit uh, the background for this film? The problem is that sound could be one of two things. And I know how much you like breast, Chris. So I'm just pleased that there was no one else in that cinema to watch. Oh. Yes, talk about the film, please, Vicky. So as you mentioned on the last episode, um, you stole one of my facts, but I do appreciate that you probably thought I hadn't done any research because that's kind of the way the way I do it. So it's just kind yes. of fair enough. <laughs> that's your modus operandi that's just my, wing it wing it and mo. still be the best <laughs> doesn't it make you sick anyway um this was uh this is a william goldman novel and it was optioned for a very lot of money back in the 70s so in 1973 it was optioned for half a million dollars in 1973 which was a shitload of money it's a shitload of money now but it was especially a shitload of money back then um, but it didn't work out. The film adaptation at that time didn't work out. So William Goldman bought the rights back with his own money. And then years later, a few years later, you've got Rob Reiner, who says it's his favourite book, um, and Norman Lear, who Reiner worked for on All in the Family, which I haven't seen, uh, but that's a fact. Um, but Norman Lear had funded Spinal Tap, obviously directed by Rob Reiner, produced The Princess Bride, and then that's how you get Rob Reiner in charge of this film. And the Oh, go on. Yeah. No, I just, I think that I can't remember which studio it was, but he, Rob Reiner tells a really funny story about um, about after the success of Spinal Tap, he was, uh, he sat down, it was either Paramount or Universal, he sat down with them, one of the heads of the studio, and they were like, we love you, we love what you've done, what do you want to do next? 
And he went, you won't like it. You won't like what I want to do next. And they were like, we will. Anything. Tell us. And he's like, honestly, you are not going to want to make what I want to make next. And they were like, we will want to make it, Rob. And he goes, the Princess Bride. And they go, apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it true? Because this is a um, off my most trusted source, Wikipedia. Um, but it was almost Francois Truffaut. So that would have been quite a different film. Yeah, John Borman that... was attached at one okay. point. Robert Redford was attached at one point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, and then just to talk about casting, let's talk about Carrie, Carrie Elwes for a minute. Um, they were, apparently they were pretty sure they wanted him, but um, there's a legendary story about Robin Wright, which I don't think I believe, but I will um, repeat it anyway. They were looking at British actresses for the part of Buttercup because of the accents Um and then Robin Wright turns up at William Goldman's house. They open the door and she's, I mean, she's very beautiful, obviously, but she was sort of backlit by the sun. And William Goldman was like, you know, you look backlit by God, like an actual proper princess. And at that point it was like, you're hired. Uh, it's a bit of a daft story, but she's very good in it. So it kind of doesn't matter. She is really good in it. And she, yeah. has, it's one of those performances where you go, now, see, you nailed that accent. It's a really good mm. It's flawless. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's almost offensive how good it is. Like she just must be so good at, at yeah. It's because I, I mean, I think we British people, I think we can be quite picky about people. Like any gaps when someone's trying to do our accent, we just notice them straight away. I feel like that. Um, and it's um, you cannot see the joint at all. I think it's brilliant. Let's do some uh, some other casting <laughs> rumors. At least one of them is true. I don't know about all of them, but uh, there was a time when Colin Firth might have been Wesley. Oh, can't can't confirm. I've only found that at one source. Uh, one that is true is Danny DeVito was going to play Vizzini, um, which yeah. would have uh, which would have made more way. sense because of the Sicilian uh, stuff he talks about to have an mm-hmm. Italian, yeah, uh, 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 Italian American guy playing that role rather than someone who's clearly not Italian. But yeah, um, uh, two more Sting as Humperdinck, uh, Prince Humperdinck. Sting as Prince Humperdinck. What? I'm not sure about that. And um, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Fezzig, as played by Andre the Giant. Yeah, they couldn't afford Schwarzenegger. By the, initially, they wanted him and they could have got him. But by the time the film went into production, he was he was too big a deal. Yeah. He would have been. What was it? 19, yeah, of course. 1987. Yeah. Yeah. He was kicking ass. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, so just to get into the film, we you've mentioned Columbo uh, several times, uh, which is only right. Um, so Columbo is reading Kevin from the Wundi as a story because he's ill. So this serves as the framing device for the film. And I, there's not too much to say about that apart from it provides the emotional payoff for the end of the film, which I really, really love. Um, so we'll get to that. Um, uh, so Columbo is reading his grandson a story, and that's where we meet Buttercup and Wesley. Now she is what she's like a wealthy landowner? Question mark because she's not a princess until she's gonna get married to a prince. So what is she? She's just rich. Is that it? It's a uh, it's a great question, one that I haven't uh, considered, Chris. Uh, yeah, I don't understand at all. Uh, they, she's hanging around in the stables. Um, I thought they called her Princess Buttercup right from the start. But, yeah, um, see, so did I, but yeah. you can't... Uh... So um, I, I, I have no idea what is going on with her situation, but I think it's one of those... <laughs> I know, but I think it's one of those films where they decided people aren't going to care. It's not going to matter. 
Yeah. It, it's about these two people meeting each other. And it doesn't. It's only when I'm sitting down making my notes for the podcast that I start <laughs> examining this stuff. Yeah, that's a <laughs> really that- good point. Because when you're you're being asked to believe what the actors uh, Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright have to do the like a really good job of saying like this is true love. It's basically love at first sight almost, and you have to believe it. Otherwise, you don't care what happens, and you don't have much time to establish that. And she's quite rude to him, and he, he seems to love that. Um, so quite a yeah. lot is done in quite a short amount of time. And I suppose it's suggested, it's suggested that she falls in love with him despite the fact he only ever utters three words to her the entire time, which <laughs> That's true. is amazing. <laughs> if you could just hang out with someone and every time they said something, you go, as you wish. And they'd be like, oh, hello. And you'd be like, as you wish. And they're like, well, stop that, as you wish. And it's like, it's a, wow, and you're in love with him? Okay. Next week on the podcast, Vicky, all you should say is I'm all in. I'm all <laughs> I'm going to get it put. Someone get it put on a T-shirt for me, please. I would wear it. This time when I was... I mean, you do it, you do it yourself, but you're too busy, obviously. Someone's put it on a... No, someone's put it on a T-shirt and emailed it to us. Have you not seen that? No, you I'm not serious? joking. I'm genuine. Neil Bennett says, new line of merchandise. Good morning. Following your latest podcast featuring the full Monty, I thought I would share my latest idea for merchandise. And it's our um, Clash of the Titles uh, picture with I'm All In written above it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, that Neil. Is, that's amazing. That's only topped by how amazing it was that you thought Vicky might have seen one of our emails just then. <laughs> haven't, haven't you seen it? Of course she bloody hasn't. Have I not mentioned? I'm super busy. <laughs> have you got kids? Um, I, I spent... Wait, we should, maybe, maybe in the book, we should talk about like the fact that, obviously, this is, this is William Goldman adapted his own book into this script. Um and maybe maybe the the fact that what he was doing with this book was just he was it started as him writing a book for his daughters didn't it and one of them wanted a book about a princess and one of them wanted a book about a bride and so he started writing the princess bride and so i think at that point he didn't really need to explain why this princess slash bride was working on a farm well i imagine book. i imagine it's more it's it's explained in the book though i would i would I haven't read the book, but I just feel like it's one what? of those things. They just, um, I've done my research on the book, which uh, it does sound interesting. I haven't. Joking. Yeah, I haven't. I'm, 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 I'm joking. It's fine that you haven't read the book. It's just, I think it's probably the first time you haven't read a book on this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm really busy. I've got 10 kids. <laughs> uh, but the book, the book, it's like it, 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 he, he's pretending it's an abridged version of a book he loved as a kid. And that his father would read to him, but he realised his father was reading it without all the boring bits. And so he decided to write an abridged version of it inspired by a teacher. And that's all in the, in the introduction. Apparently, all that's completely made up by William Goldman. It's um, amazing. I got I got so lost trying to understand this because I didn't know any of that. I knew that he'd written a book, but this whole fictional author that he created, that he said he was adapting the work of into... Um, into his own book. It, it's kind of nuts. He does describe it, though, as the most strongly connected emotional... Uh, it's the most strongly connected he's been emotionally to any writing of his entire life. And we should say, if you don't um, know who William Goldman is, he's one of the great screenwriters. He wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He wrote All the President's Men. And he wrote maybe the greatest book on screenwriting as well, Adventures mm. in the Screen Trade, which I'm, mm. I'm sure we've all read that one. Um so yeah, and this was him really a real departure for him. But and I think that's why it's it has so much fun playing with the form as well. I think he was it was as much an experiment as as sort of a burning passion project. 
Yeah, and it could have gone wrong as well. Like that's what's that this film is like very beloved and is like rightfully a cult classic because it's um it's like it's pastiche it's like playing with genre playing with form and it doesn't become too i mean it's quite cheeky but it doesn't get too sort of wink wink annoying like and it's it just makes you want to love it like it's just endearing from start to finish which is quite a thing to pull off it's weird isn't it i came to it i think i'd already seen some mel brooks movies at this point i'd certainly seen Spaceballs before i saw the princess bride and i wasn't quite sure what to make of the Princess Bride, because mm. on the one hand, it does feel like uh, it's parodying the fantasy genre, mm. and yet it's not because it's it takes the fantastical elements, this fantasy world and the love story. It's not mocking it. It, yeah. it believes in it as its own story, and it's it sort of inhabits this sort of weird area between parodying something and being a, a, a movie, a, a fantasy movie. So I, I think the first time I saw it, I actually was a bit confused by what it was doing because I was expecting a kind of uh, swords and sorcery space balls. I think I had the same reaction, Alex. I really did. Yeah. Um, I think if you like Monty Python, then you're going to be fine because the the humour reminds me a bit of... Uh, especially like when Princess Buttercup, when she falls down the hill with Wesley, like the, the physical comedy of that. And obviously because there's, you know, the, the the landscape looks familiar, the accents are familiar. It just feels quite cozy, like a, and um, recognisable from a sort of Monty Python-esque point of view. Do you know what I think? Yeah, but I feel like they're spoofing a lot more than this one is. Yeah. Or, I, I don't know. It's It's a tricky one. I was confused by lots of things. I was confused as who was prettier, Wesley or Buttercup as well. Does it matter? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just sitting there thinking, which one of these is pretty? Like they've picked, they've picked such pretty people to play both of yeah. these uh, characters. Who Something is there for out? Everyone. Who's out of whose league? <laughs> <laughs> They're both a ten, so that's okay. Yeah, it's uh, you just mentioned one of the best scenes in it, though. Uh, I guess we'll come to it in greater detail, but uh, the bit where she throws herself down the hill after him. After she pushes him down the hill and she throws herself after him and goes, oh, my sweet Wesley, what have I done? It's so fucking romantic and ridiculous at the same time. I got goosebumps at that moment because it's hilarious. The fact that she goes, shit, I'll just go after him. And then like really over the top comically just throws herself down this hill it's brilliant yeah i mean it, whichever way you slice it watching someone just boing down a hill is always funny yeah before that scene hot um, rod that's the best hill fall have you seen hot rod when no. um andy sandberg goes down the hill that's epic that's the best hill hill fall ever <laughs> um, chris have you seen that i have yeah oh good hill fall great Cool. Quick. Okay. Uh, anyway, back to the Princess Bride. Um, the other scene I wanted to talk about is so after so uh, Wesley disappears to make his fortune. Five years go by. He's presumed dead. Buttercup is betrothed to Prince Humperdinck, and she is kidnapped on the eve of her wedding. And we eventually get to the famous sword fight on the excellently named, which I can see Monty Python, Cliffs of Insanity. Um, this is one of my favourite scenes. So, Inigo Montoya is a very important character for me in this. Um, and this is where you get the backstory, and it's brilliantly done. Uh, it's done very seriously. It's actually quite moving. But the sword fight itself is really well choreographed. Um, they, um, 
Kerry Elways and uh, Mandy Patinkin trained for it properly. Apparently, they tried to watch all sword fights that had ever been filmed so they could be brilliant at sword fights. And I think you can tell. But mostly, um, I enjoy the shout outs to being left-handed. As a left-handed person, I don't think we get enough of a positive representation. And it's just nice uh, that it's there as a joke. Yeah, I think the sword fight was written in the script um, as the greatest sword fight in history. <laughs> um, so they had to really put the work in. It was actually um, it was done by the people who did the uh, stunt choreography on Star Wars, a guy called Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson, and um, and it's um, and they obviously, you know, if they did the stunt coordination on the original Star Wars trilogy, they probably had a hand in some of the lightsaber fights. Uh, so you can see, like, there's a couple of backflips in it that you go, yeah, yeah that's cool. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was at school, there was a lad in my year who was one of the top 50 tennis players. And I played him once and he beat me, it was top 50 in the country. He beat me 6-1. And I was so happy that I'd got a game off him in this set. <laughs> For a, That's for just week, like you. <laughs> for a week, I was so proud of myself until someone pointed out to me that he'd played me left-handed and he wasn't actually left-handed. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Which is obviously what happens here. And I was gutted, but also found it quite <laughs> for funny. A moment, for a moment, I thought you were really good at tennis, Chris. For a moment. <laughs> I imagine you probably are quite good at tennis. No, it's one, of the, few, it's one of the few things I'm not good at, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> one of the few things. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Idiot. One of the few things you're not good at. <laughs> um, so eventually, um, Wesley, so he bests Inigo Montoya. He uh, knocks out uh, Andre the Giant and he catches up with Buttercup. And she's having a blindfolded picnic. Not explained. I understand why she's blindfolded, but it doesn't really make any sense. Um, and he sort of uses his cunning to kill Vizzini with some poisoned mead or wine or something and then this scene for me is a little bit strange because he knows who she is she doesn't know who he is and he i think he's trying to have a go at her for getting remarried or attempting to get remarried quite fast after he disappeared and not he, remarried yeah married att- mar- married no she's not married he's by not- then that's what i mean she's not att- she's She's not getting remarried. Sorry, yeah, that's true. Sorry. Yes, getting married yeah. for the first time. Um, yeah. And he tries to slap her across the face, which is a bit of an odd moment. And he also says to her, "Where are you? she says, I've, I've loved the farm boy or whatever. She's like, I have been in love and blah, blah, blah. And sort of confesses her love for who she Wesley who she thinks is dead to this person and she doesn't know who he is um and then he says to her where I come from there are penalties when a woman lies which is a uncomfortable weird line for well, me you'd be, and- you'd be in trouble with your kids wouldn't you Vicky <laughs> I'd be in trouble. And I did also think you would better be a good shag otherwise a lat lady is in trouble yeah, it's a but very uncomfortable thought. scene, isn't it? It's uh, it's just weird. Why does he try and weird. slap her across the face? Was that all right? I don't, I don't know. Um, anyway, was it his way of trying There's to throw funny... her off the scent of who he is? But it's just, it's just, uh, it's just horrible, and it doesn't work at all. Yeah, um, but it doesn't put her off. We have the um, rolling down the hill scene. She realizes who he is, so the lovers are reunited. Lovely, lovely. Um, and then we've got, what's it called? The fire swamp? Swamp of fire? I'm getting my fire swamps. Swamp. Fire swamp. No, you were right the first time. The fire swamp, yeah. With the, the rodents swamp. of unusual size. Well, I wanted to talk about that because I'd forgotten about the rats of unu- the rodents of unusual size. And they're fucking terrifying. Like, I know it's just a person in a suit. <laughs> it was quite scary. Like, it's it seems very vicious. And it like it's really going to 
bite his fucking nose off. Did you? Um, you and animals. What is it? What? It's like, <laughs> what? No, you either want them, you want them dead, or they look, they have a vendetta against you. I'm, I'm surprised. I, I've, I've found, do you know what I've written down? I've written, I wish Wesley didn't have to kill the rodent of unusual size. I, I agree. Just have that in my notes. I agree. Do I've you? written down. I've written down. Sad to see him die. That that rodent. Yeah, don't lie. I have 100%. Honestly. I said big fan of the rodent of unusual size. Sad to see him die. That is what I have Doesn't written. Doesn't need to happen. And I put it in italics, which means I, I, I need to say this. Um, Vicky, <laughs> uh, did you watch this one with your kids? No, I didn't because they talk constantly and I needed to concentrate. So that right. I watched it. I did as wonder as well because it, it gets a bit stabby at the end, which I thought it, 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 it gets weirdly violent in a way that I wonder if, if, you know, recommending this to young kids would be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure what they would have made of it. Um, it yeah, I don't know. I think they would have been scared of the rats, to be fair, mm. uh, like I was, and glad mm. to see that rat dispatched. No, wrong. Um, <laughs> um but the next the next key moment is that christopher guest who plays count rugen is the six-fingered man that inigo montoya is seeking um to exact his revenge uh, the six-fingered man is the person that killed his father um oh then there's a weird moment so they're, they're breaking the structure frequently to check in with colombo and kevin from the wonder years <laughs> and the <laughs> there's sort of a sidebar moment where it seems like Wesley and Buttercup are not going to get married and Fred Savage says that's not fair granddad everything that Wesley did for her she has to marry him I thought hey mm. little Kevin from the Wonder Years that's not how it works it's not a repayment for services rendered is it not she doesn't have, <laughs> she doesn't have to do anything young man um but you know he's young what's Vicky isn't. Chris what's Vicky talking about I don't know. <laughs> she's getting on her high horse again isn't she <laughs> <laughs> just saying a woman shouldn't marry you because she owes you something you two so so what am i paying money. all this money for then <laughs> you tell me mate it's costing me a fortune <laughs> oh so so far vicky you you don't you you've had to go at fred savage and you're happy a rat's dead carry on everyone's happy a rat's dead don't be ridiculous no one likes no one genuinely likes rats i don't like I rats but a, rat. a rodent of unusual size i'm much more interested in I had a rat. I had a rat called Splinter. Yeah. Did you? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you? That's really cute. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Oh, what happened to Splinter? The turtles got him. He died. <laughs> he was on the same side as the turtles. Oh, no. Actually. Um. Yeah. No. I had. I, he just died of old age, and then I got another rat. Guess what I called that one? Shredder. Uh, wait. Uh, Roland. Uh, Ratty Ratterson. Roland. <laughs> <laughs> Splinter 2. <laughs> Was this last year, Alex? <laughs> yeah. Splinter 2, Rat Harder. Is that what you called it? <laughs> rat Harder? Yeah, Rat, rat oh, Harder. That's disgusting. I mean, I see, what, I see what you've done, but I don't I don't think it works, Vicky. Wait, wait. I don't, I rat don't Better. You, you... <laughs> Rat bigger, rat bigger. What, what what does ratting something and then ratting something harder mean? I don't know. I, d- I don't know. Uh, we... But I'm not a experienced rat handler in the way that you are. Come on, back to the Princess Bride. Sorry, Come on. sorry, sorry. You sorry. need to watch the, the Netflix documentary Rat King. Rat King. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Exotic. That would be amazing. <laughs> you do dress like that, so you do dress like that. <laughs> I do dress like <laughs> that. cross between that guy and the Strokes. 
Uh, I have no problem <laughs> with that. Uh, so, uh, where are we up to? So, Wesley is in the pit of despair, um, and he's strapped to an evil torture machine, which makes him cry, which is actually a sad, mo- like a genuinely sad moment. See, what, that, those are my emotional buttons like most normal people it's human beings you would have hated this sequence you would have hated this sequence in the book i believe it was the zoo of despair and it was five levels of deadly animals really yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) what do they do to him like bite him I didn't read it, but he has to defeat them. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Don't, it's, it's don't a- give her, don't give her any ammunition. What did they do to him? Did they deserve to die? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree with you. It's a very, it's a very disturbing uh, scene. Yeah, yeah, because what each each setting takes that number of years off his life. Mm. So if he set it to ten, it takes ten years yeah. off his life. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a really creepy concept. Yeah. Um, so it kills him, unfortunately, and he needs to be rescued by Inigo Montoya and Fezzik. So they take him to Billy Crystal and Carol Kane. Um, I can't remember what. Oh, Mar- Miracle Max is it? And Valerie, um, and they so they've got like makeup on them to sort of age them and make them look like goblins or elves. And Billy Crystal is absolutely brilliant. And I wish and Carol Kane is good as well, but she doesn't get as much screen time as Billy Crystal does. Um, and I could have stayed with them all day just listening to their nonsense. It's very very funny. When the when he where... says he says get back witch, and she says I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. That made me laugh. <laughs> For most of anything in the film, her delivery of that line is so funny. It's my for me. It's the bit where um, Andre the Giant and Inigo uh, are at the door, and Billy Crystal goes, "Beat it, or we'll call the Brute Squad." And Andre the Giant goes, "I'm on the Brute Squad." <laughs> Billy Crystal goes, "You are the Brute Squad." <laughs> Love that joke. <laughs> <laughs> the best line because it sounds improvised. Is when they bring him, when they bring Wesley mostly back to life, and they say, "Oh no!" They give the they give the pill, don't they, to Inigo Montoya and Fezzik, and say, "You know, you need to wait fifteen minutes and blah blah blah." And um, don't go swimming for at least an hour. <laughs> that is so funny. It's not the don't go swimming; it's the for at least an hour. Like that is the way to do it because don't go swimming is funny enough in itself. Well, it's full it's of like anachronisms, masterful. isn't it? This film is full of modern speech and and terminology, and yet again, yeah. it's not it's not that you really notice it. It just it, it seems natural. Uh, yeah, it, it, with the style I of mean, the storytelling, and that that Billy Crystal and Carol Kane stuff—they, I mean, so much of that is ad-libbed. They worked on that for a while, and um, apparently, like a lot of what Billy Crystal was ad-libbing, they just couldn't use because it was so blue. And <laughs> they, had to, they had to reshoot it so many times. Uh, Rob Reiner couldn't be on set because he was laughing too much, so he had to stand like really far away watching a monitor. Kerry Elwes had to have his body replaced with a dummy for certain shots because he was laughing so much. <laughs> and Mandy uh, Paddington's only injury on the whole movie was he bruised a rib trying to stop himself laughing at Billy Crystal in that scene. <laughs> but it's just, it's so good. It's like, uh, apparently he based part of his performance on... Um, a Mel Brooks character that Mel Brooks used to do, which I ended up watching on YouTube called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. And a lot of it's a similar delivery. And Mel Brooks used to do uh, perform it with Carl Reiner, Rob Reiner's dad, and Billy Crystal. Uh, when Rob Reiner was pitching him the role and was going, oh, this, 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 Billy Crystal actually went, 
Yeah, why don't you just get Mel Brooks to do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. In my head, I th- I've sort of remembered that Mel Brooks was in this film. But then when I watched it, I was like, oh, no, it's just Billy Crystal doing Mel Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's so good. The, the, the mutton, lettuce, and tomato. An, an MLT, a mutton, lettuce, and tomato. <laughs> so See, good. now I'd forgotten that line. And did you read about the, there was a, like, a remake of The Princess Bride? It was like half threatened, but like not really. But there was an article in Variety or um, somewhere else um, talking about someone um, at the studio wanting to remake it. And like the internet goes bonkers, like saying, this cannot happen. This can never happen. And Ted Cruz, you know, the uh, US Senator Ted Cruz. He tweeted about how he would, um, he, he loves nothing. He loves the Princess Bride. He would hate that. He loves the Princess Bride, but um, not as much as he loves a mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich and does the whole line about it being perky and stuff like that. And I w- read that before I watched this film, having forgotten that line. I was like, what the fuck is Ted Cruz talking about? Like, who, what's a mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich? Who eats that? And then I thought, hey, hang on, Vicky. Don't waste any more of your precious time looking into this. Just watch the film and it will all make sense. And it did. So I think you owe Ted Cruz an apology, which I wasn't expecting to say at the start of this podcast. <laughs> it was kind Old of inevitable. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah, really weird. Um, something in my future for sure, but not today. <laughs> anyway, um, so then our heroes need to storm the wedding of Buttercup and Humperdinck. We now know Humperdinck is a proper baddie where it's sort of not quite clear before because he was going to murder her on their wedding night. Um, and they storm the wedding together. That being Wesley, who's sort of coming back to life, but he's a little bit paralyzed still. And Inigo Montoya and Fezzik. And then this is a brilliant scene. Uh, the showdown between Christopher Guest and um, Mandy Patinkin, the, the sword fight. Like, did you think it was like actually quite chilling? Like it's not just funny, but very moving and really impactful. Or is that just me? So, I, I I'll, I'll just I'll say this about that scene. I love it. Yeah, and I love it because it's where the movie isn't being arch and like self-aware. It's a proper fantasy scene where you believe like it's not about a kid being read a book. It's like this guy is getting his vengeance, and he plays it so seriously, and like his performance is phenomenal yeah. and where he goes i want my father back <gasps> and yeah. you're like what it's no, he, he, said, he says i want i want my father back you son of a bitch which yeah. really there puts a button on it doesn't it it's um yeah it's really good even just talking about it like honestly i had i see now this is good because i did have an authentic emotional response so i'm not <laughs> empty and that's a relief <laughs> you did and, and i'm um, sure mandy patinkins talked about the fact that he lost his father to cancer and he was when he was playing this these scenes he was thinking about that and, and trying to fight the cancer and oh man okay which, which makes an already very moving sequence i, I, I had me in bits this time yeah, it's really good, isn't it? And like, it's really well paced. And he's repeating the same line, but he manages to do it with more and more conviction. It's mm. it's really really good. Mm. Um, and uh, and then we t- then we have Buttercups. Oh, I can't remember where we are in the scene, but the breast joke, bit of a weird joke. Um, Wesley uses his cunning um, because he can't actually move to sort of convince Prince Humperdinck to to sit the fuck down and not fight him. And that's the end of the film, basically. Um, I want to talk about the emotional coda because I, this again brought a genuine tear to my eye. So we go back to Columbo and Kevin from the Wonder Years and the whole, uh, the sort of emotional through line there is that at the start of the film, 
Fred Savage doesn't really want his granddad to come over and read to him. And he says to his mum, can you tell him? I'm, doesn't he say, like, can you tell him I'm not in or something like that? Like, basically, I don't want to see him. And then by the end of the film, he says, granddad, maybe you could come over and read to me again. And I was he, like, oh, that is so beautiful. And, I, and then I, his granddad says, what, and his granddad says, as Fuck you off. wish. As you wish. <laughs> shut up really surprising that Columbo says fuck off to him at the end Um, um, (laughs) all right wait 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 wait, wait. we'll just take a quick break we'll take a quick break there and we'll come back uh, in a moment after these adverts hi this is Craig Robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We could call it Pete and Mark's Colossal Tussle. <laughs> but we didn't. We called it Wrestle Me. Wrestle Me, Mark. <laughs> Wrestle Me, Pete. <laughs> A celebration of all things WrestleMania and beyond. And you may be thinking, I'm not really into wrestling. Well, don't worry. There's something for everyone. To be honest, it's mainly about stuff like this. So hang on. Easy Lover was the original theme on WrestleMania. And, it was. And... Someone heard it on the radio and went, that sums up everything about <laughs> WrestleMania to me. <laughs> And this. You can really see the old back acne on test. Yeah. <laughs> and this. Is it worth reminding people of what earthquake John Tenter looked like at 23 years old? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and this. For the record, Marty has made it very clear, and I agree and believe him, that he has never, A, had sex with his daughter, or B, wanted to have sex with his daughter. And the people behind the face paint doing the most unique job in the entire world. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. That's Wrestle Me. Wrestle me mark wrestle me beat all right go on victoria so that's my uh 
insight and deep analysis of the film. Is there um, any more for any more from either of you two on that one? Well, concerning that ending as well, I do like the other callback, which I only noticed this time, was that uh, Kevin from the Wonder Years does not like the kissing and complains about the kissing. And his, his granddad says, you know, you won't mind so much when you're older. And then at the yeah. end, he literally says, I don't mind so much. So it's not just when he's older. Half an hour later, he's already transformed <laughs> and grown up before our eyes. But I really like it. I think it's a really clever callback. Yeah, yeah there was an alternate ending, uh, which um, would have been a little bit like the never ending story, um, where he opens his bedroom window and he looks out and there's um, the uh, all of them on the horses Fezzik and Inigo and uh, Kerry Elwes and Robin Wright are all on horses, beckoning him to join their next adventure. And doesn't he uh, shout? He shouts Rock- Moonchild, doesn't he? Weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense. Um, have you seen the Deadpool 2 alternate cut, uh, the Once Upon a Deadpool uh, version? Yes. So, no. Yeah, it's a bit of it's a bit of a soulless cash grab that though, because it is. I think a lot of people thought that was some sort of special movie, but it's just Deadpool two. Mm. Is it Deadpool two or the first one? Yeah, but and with, it, um, and it's framed with, with Deadpool um, telling Fred Savage the story. They recreated uh, the bedroom from the Princess Bride, which is kind of yeah. cute, but as you say, it kind of undermines something that's very um, personal to people. So uh, it's funny it's, in a way that Deadpool funny. does it, it but funny. it's it's hard. It's it's maybe a little bit sad as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it is funny. I but you can just watch those bits. I think they're, they're somewhere um, on the internet now. Um, I did think. Um, no, I'm done. I'm done with I'm done with going through the film. If any, if anyone else wants to uh, jump in, there was. I think you've talked about most of the stuff that I wanted to say, Victoria. So well done. Uh, I mean, well done. Thank you. I, I, I was I was looking around when I was researching it. Um, some of the Jason Reitman staged a couple of live readings of this, and I was looking at footage of one uh, he did where um, he recasts films and does live readings, which are really good fun. But they tend not to be put online. He had Paul Rudd played Wesley, uh, Mandy Calling played Buttercup, Patton Oswalt was Vicini, Kevin Pollock was Miracle Max. Goran Vizinich uh, was Inigo Montoya. You know him? He's the hot dude that replaced George Clooney in ER. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. He, he, yeah. <laughs> Just say the hot dude who replaced George Clooney in ER. In there, yeah. uh, <laughs> Carrie Elwes plays Humperdinck in this version. That makes um, sense. And, and Rob Reiner is the grandfather and Fred Savage uh, plays the grandson again oh it's lovely yeah lovely. and there's little there's little bits of it like you've got them doing uh you, you can catch online um paul rudd and Mandy callings doing the most passionate and most pure kiss ever and you've got there's also footage of goran uh repeating the um you killed my father uh, line over and over again which gets a big a big round of applause oh beautiful uh i mean you didn't the, the one thing you didn't mention i guess is um it's the late great Peter Cook oh, yeah. and uh, the wedding scene, just because I, 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 marriage so <laughs> funny. Marriage is what brings us together today. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, when I watched this in whenever it would have been about 1989, uh, the thing I was most excited about was the fact that Mel Smith was in it. Yeah, uh, yes. he was a big really hero of mine back then. And then I was trying to figure out, I, I would have vaguely known who Peter Cook and Billy Crystal were. Peter Cook did a lot of kid stuff in the 80s. So 
but I don't think I was a fan of his yet. And I don't think Billy Crystal had really done much that I was interested in at that age. But Mel Smith was the one. Um, mm. And it is amazing when you look at all the brilliant comedians he cast in this. But I guess that's what comes from being Carl Reiner's son when you're directing it and, and knowing would have known all these comedy guys growing up. So um, every 10 minutes, you've got a, a comedy genius showing up to do something funny. And even people that I wasn't aware of at all, like Wallace Shawn is so good in it at Vizzini as Vizzini isn't he like I could even much as I love Danny DeVito he would have done a good job but this guy is just brilliant mm. well as Sean is is fantastic although apparently he had a really hard time because he thought Rob Reiner was going to fire him every day and he went for dinner with uh, Christopher Guest and Christopher Guest tells a story about how Wallace Shawn was just uh, kept going I, this is awful I'm going to get fired Rob Reiner is going to get rid of me and he says that he knew he was wrong for the part because for whatever reason, his agent told him that it had been offered to Danny DeVito and then to Richard Dreyfus, and that they both turned it down. And that's why they'd come to him. His agent said that to him. And so if before every single shot, he said he imagined how Danny would have played it so much better than he could. Oh. And he was haunted <laughs> by that during the entire film. So if any agents are out there... He says, my advice is don't tell your client that he's the third choice for a role. <laughs> hmm. yeah. uh, could you understand what Andre the Giant was saying? Uh, 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 I would say half and half. Like... <laughs> Which is a problem. <laughs> yeah. But he's a, he was, didn't, it was, he was a French, he's a yes. French speaker. Yeah, he is. And yeah. so Rob Reiner recorded all, all his lines for him and put them on a cassette and he used to walk around set with his headphones on listening to the lines and that's how he learned the lines uh for the film um yeah i'm, I'm saying to- it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> um, half the time i mean weirdly um, it's not a problem it doesn't seem to be a problem uh because it what he's saying doesn't matter all the time um because you're really just looking at this you know they called him the eighth wonder of the world like it's yeah. It's, it's as much about his size and there are a couple of sweet moments where i, I could <laughs> i found him intelligible and uh he's got a couple of sweet moments with inigo where the first time you realize that these guys are really maybe not the villains of the piece when inigo's helping him calming him down um mm. he's an interesting chap yeah. though andre the giant have you seen the documentary about his life that came out a couple of years ago no, I know no. of the documentary, but I didn't really know who. I don't really know who he is. Like, I was not a wrestling fan, so I don't. I know that he's a wrestler. Um, yeah, he was the biggest was star in, in wrestling before Hulk Hogan came along. Okay, uh, and he's okay. sort of bigger than any any other wrestler. But he had a strange childhood in the French countryside. He was supposedly he was friends with Samuel Beckett when he was a kid. Okay, um, Samuel Samuel Beckett in the village had the only car without a roof that was big enough for him. So he would drive him <laughs> to school and apparently they would talk about cricket every day, which is just... <laughs> um, and, and he's also known as the greatest drunk on earth. There are all these amazing stories about he once consumed 119 beers in six hours, 156 yes. in another sitting. Um uh, on the movie, um, Rob Reiner said that uh, one morning he arrived on set not feeling well because he drunk three bottles of cognac and 12 bottles of wine the night before and he'd said he got a little tipsy. <laughs> During the shooting of this, uh, he supposedly fell on someone drunk. Carrie always says this in his book about the shooting of this movie and they ended up having to send a policeman uh, to follow him round to make sure he didn't fall on anyone else whenever he went drinking. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's another story while they were shooting this where he got so drunk one night and he passed out in the lobby of the hotel they were staying at. And instead of waking him, and because they, they couldn't move him, the managers of the hotel placed a velvet rope around his body <laughs> on the floor. And Kerry Ohl said it was like looking at Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> and uh, my favourite one is apparently prior to WrestleMania 3, he drank 14 bottles of wine. Vicky, could you do wow. that? Could you do that? Um, I have. You're allowed. That, yeah. you're, allowed <laughs> you're allowed. a bottle of WKD in between. <laughs> just them. to break just, it up. I need one of those policemen to follow me around, stop me from falling over, try and preserve my dignity. I think. Fantastic. I think the. I think the only sad thing about this is a lot of his drinking was to numb the pain from all the back yeah. issues and physical ailments that he had from his 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 sort of physical deformity and also his you know his years in the wrestling ring being battered. So. Um, yeah, me too. I mean, this is it. I get it. <laughs> Everyone talks about how he was like, he was such a lovely guy and like the heart of the set on this movie. Actually, Chris Sarandon tells a story about how um, when they heard he was working with an actual giant, his daughters wanted to come and visit the set. So he took them to the trailer to meet Andre and uh, they walked in and they started screaming in fear at the top of their lungs and wouldn't stop until they were taken out. And Chris Sarandon said to Andre, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive their behaviour. And he said, no, no, no. Either they come to me or they run from me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Imagine having that effect on people. I mean, I I don't. Uh, <laughs> I remember. I don't know that fuck that bloody picture you put up of you on Twitter between two Kurt Russells is terrifying. <laughs> you look terrifying. <laughs> you were the one that asked for that picture. I yeah, know, but a scary I, I, picture, like a normal picture. <laughs> <laughs> it looks. It literally, if it had a caption, it would be "I will kill again." <laughs> I thought I looked hot. I was trying to look you serious. Do, yeah. I was you trying do. to look serious, like like Big Kurt. I can't. How pull is it off. the beard anyway? How's your beard coming along? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure about it now. There's so much white coming through. Like and it's, a, it's just a bit messy. It's a bit messy now. Has it got food in it? Is that what you mean? <laughs> like one of the, I like one of the twits. <laughs> oh, yuck! Get rid of it. <laughs> Ooh, um... All right. Any more for any more on the Princess Bride, or would you like to do the bits? Do the bits. I think I we think. should do the bits. Yeah. Great. Victoria, would you like to guide us through the bits? Uh, Chris, what was your best scene? Uh, Best scene, uh, well, I got goosebumps when Inigo addresses the six-fingered man. Uh, It's a nice reversal when he runs off, um, but when he keeps repeating that line and and, and the the son of a bitch moment, it's uh, it's really emotional. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's the beating heart of this film. The romance stuff, I don't quite buy uh as much as i do this so yeah it's have yeah. to be that scene yeah my best scene is that i agree with you um alex what's your best scene uh the battle of wits with vizzini oh really um, yeah it's the bit i remember most yeah you know i always i'm doing that thing now i'm doing that thing as i when i approach these movies that i haven't seen for <clears> years <throat> i try and think of the the thing that i remember most uh walking uh from previous watches like with Neverending Story it was Arctics. And with this, it was the Battle of Witch with Vecini. And it really stands up. I love it. I, I love the whole um, conceit. And I love the the brilliant line, one of my favourite lines in it, 
which is, you fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Yeah, so that's mine. Uh, What about your MVW, most valuable whatever, Chris? Um, Two mentions I'm going to do. I I really like the rodent of unusual size. I'm sorry, Vicky. Uh, That's okay. I'm not picking that, but I just thought it was cool um and i really like mark knopfler's uh score i think it's a really beautiful uh piece of music and it works so uh lovely on top of this but i'm gonna go for i'm not sure manly patinkin or inigo montoya um either one of the two so uh i think it's i'm not maybe it's maybe it's mandy patinkin because i'm not a fan of his normally i don't really like him in anything else but i absolutely love him this in this film and you know they they could have and should have probably cast a Spanish actor. You know, you imagine yeah. <laughs> Antonio Banderas playing that um, if it was a few years later, but they didn't. And this guy, you know, nailed it. I thought he was, he's absolutely brilliant. And I would love to have seen uh, more adventures of his character. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what about you? Mowage. <laughs> Mowage is what brings us together today. I do love Peter Cook. In that moment, um, but I'm with Chris. It's um, I I didn't quite understand. Was Chris being intentionally meta there, where he was like, I can't decide between Mandy Patinkin or Inigo Montoya? I think because so, yeah. yeah, I don't right, know whether okay, to pick great. the actor or the character, but what? I don't understand you sometimes. Yeah, it's Inigo Montoya's mine. I th- I think is that right? Uh, so yeah. not Mandy Patinkin <laughs> but yeah both of them his performance is Inigo Montoya I think they're the same thing and yet now I'm questioning that and I don't know why yeah him both of them I love it I think he's great uh, so yeah them the it it Good. what that Good. Uh, just to be different, I would have picked him. I would have said that, but I'll say Mel Smith um, because I would have liked to have seen more um, of him. I, just the way that he uses his face it makes me laugh, and I just I would have liked a bit more. So I'm going to pick him. Um, and Chris, if you could make one change, what would you do? Well, I, I mean, I thought it would have been good to give Christopher Guest something funny to do. Uh, he's got a couple of moments, but he's very serious in this. But but really, my, my the one the major problem I had with the film, and it, it was it was good, it was interesting through the eyes of my missus who was watching it with me, um, is give Princess Buttercup a bit more agency, some purpose, some strength. Uh, Georgina was getting so frustrated when stuff was happening and she wasn't stepping in to help her love or or do anything. She's such a passive figure. She does. She does. She offers to marry Prince Humperdinck if he lets Wesley go and doesn't kill him. But like That's when the rodent yeah. of unusual size is there, she just kind of stands there <laughs> watching it destroy the love of her life. And 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 I wanted to get stuck in there. So uh... no, she's not Vicky. She's not going to jump in and like start smashing its face in with a brick. All right. What I'm trying to say is, I'd like Princess Buttercup to be more like Vicky. Fantastic. Thanks, babe. And I hear you. And I'll just jump in here and say that's also my change. Um, So fucking same, Chris. Um, Yeah, she needs to be a bit more actively useful. She does literally stand there while he's getting bitten by this horrible rat thing. And makes oh, a lot of... Go. <laughs> she's like, she goes a bit... Um, Because at the start, she's quite feisty. Like, she's certainly... She's got some attitude on her. Um, But she goes a bit Maid Marian in uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where she just is, like, rendered useless once she's reunited with her uh, life partner. Um, 
So yeah, I agree with you, Chris. And Alex, what change would you make? Yeah, fuck it, that. <laughs> really? You just, no, you just of course not. <laughs> um, I'm picking. Uh, so it's mine. Um, and I, I, I thought it was going to be this, and then it wasn't this, and then I thought my version was better, but I haven't really thought it through, so I might be wrong. But you know the bit in my favourite scene where uh, he has the Battle of Wits with Vizzini, mm. and he has the poison that he puts in both the glasses of wine. But first, he gives it to Vizzini, and he goes, here, smell this. And he goes, I smell nothing. And then he takes it back and he goes, it's poison, and puts it in both glasses, and then they have to guess which glass, and in the end... Um, Vizzini drinks the glass and dies and it's revealed that I built up an immunity to that poison and that's why he didn't get poisoned even though he put it in both glasses of wine I think it might be better if when he gives it to him and Vizzini sniffs it at that point he'd sniffed the poison and there was no poison in the wine and he was dead from that moment onwards and it's all just a matter of time like Kerry always is waiting for him to just die oh okay it's a long-winded way to get there, but that is funny. <laughs> we'll that. In the end, it's quicker, but yeah, it's it works. It's good. Yes, it's good. No, it's good. Uh, but also, just more agency for Princess Buttercup. Yeah, yeah well done. <laughs> right on. Yeah, well, well done, sister. You smashed. Are it. you Chris? Are you looking to borrow some money from Vicky or something? <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't work what was going on there. I couldn't work it out. I didn't think money was going to exchange hands. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> Your Honour. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in, Vicky. I'm all in. <laughs> it's not retracting. Um, right. Uh, shall we do the verdict? Yes. Do it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Great. So it is The NeverEnding Story versus The Princess Bride. Which movie is winning this Clash of the Titles? Which are we declaring the better film? Mm-hmm. Um, Vicky, who would you like to start, seeing as you picked uh, it was your movie? Actually, no, I picked these movies. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you guys. Um, hmm, 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 hmm. Uh, Victoria, what are you picking? What's going to be your winner? I am going to say it was a little bit difficult because I have a lot of love for Never Ending Story, for remembering it and watching it a thousand times. And then watching The Princess Bride, it made me laugh more. It didn't, wasn't traumatizing in the same way. Um, so it wasn't an easy choice. But because it, it's lean, it moves along really efficiently. There's not as many children in it, so it's a bit of an unfair fight, but that's always going to make it better. It's The Princess Bride. Okie dokie. The Princess Bride has one vote. Christopher Tilly. I mean, I like the, the way The Princess Bride pretty much creates that Pixar template of, of jokes for kids and adults uh, and making it a film that kind of changes as you grow in age. You see it in a different different ways. Uh, but I also love the craft and the beauty in the models and the creatures in Neverending Story. And... You know, what I was saying about it having this depth that I didn't really understand when I watched it as a kid, that it's it's remarkable to have this film about grief and depression and bereavement hidden away in a, in a fantasy story. And that message with Artax, that scene, you know, it's it's don't surrender to your sadness. It's the mas- message to, to Bastion. And I think it's a really powerful one. So uh, with this one, my head says Princess Bride, but my heart says Never Ending Story because what it's meant to me in my life in my childhood and therefore i'm gonna go with my heart never-ending story Ooh, one each 
Um, Victoria, I can hear your children in the background. Are they getting excited about the verdict? <laughs> can you hear that? Bloody yeah. hell. It's a good microphone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. They sort of were being louder then sort of as Chris went on. <laughs> it, in my head, at least, they became fascinated by what he was saying. Who is? I get that a lot. Who is this man? I get yeah. that a lot. Speaking these truths. <laughs> um, right. Um, well, it's down to me then, which is nice, seeing as I pick these movies. And I agree. Um, it's a tough one. It really is a tough one. Uh, I love both these films, but both do have problems for me. The Princess Bride is just a bit too knowing for me, uh, which is a a personal thing uh, for sure. But I like to get totally lost in a fantasy film. And The Princess Bride's self-awareness just keeps dragging me out of Florin and into the real world. And the characters aren't real. You know, they are just characters in a story. And they never cross over into the real world, like in The NeverEnding Story. So I'm not that emotionally invested in their fates because they it's reinforced that they're fictitious, uh, especially without the alternative ending where they turn up in the real world. Uh, the NeverEnding Story, on the other hand, has characters that are real and whose fates do resonate with me emotionally, especially Artex. Um, I'm invested in what happens to them. Uh, but the end is really rushed. I find the end just, it's like, I'm, I'm sort of, it really upset me how clipped that ending is. But, and it's not the winner I was going to pick before we watch these movies. Um, I am going for the never-ending story wow. as the winner wow. over the Princess Bride. I was not expecting that. Yeah. I walked into this episode thinking I was going to be picking The Princess Bride, but The NeverEnding Story, it's just, I mean, largely Artux, but other bits in it, it really got to me. It got under my skin, and it wasn't... I I, I, I know what The Princess Bride is, and it's a different kind of film and stuff, but it, I was just so sort of like... I was It's self-awareness. I couldn't get past that and get involved, which is what, personally, I look for in a movie like this. That's a good answer, Alex. That's one of your best answers. <laughs> Everyone's having Thanks, a good Chris. day. Oh, we are, aren't we? Uh, brilliant. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, going on this journey with all of you. The winner this week is the never-ending story. I kind of feel, I don't know what you guys think, that might come back to bite us. There is a lot of love out there for the Princess Bride. I think we might get called out on this one, but the never-ending story is the winner. You've got to go with Chris, your heart. You've got to you go are... with your heart. Um, I've gone with my heart. You are picking next week's films. Um, do you want to give us the clue again that you gave us at the end of the last episode? Yeah. So, And I can give you a bit more of a clue. Um, so I gave you the clue Frozen Assets, and you together mm. came up with The Cutting Edge versus Blades of Glory, which is a very good guess, but it's not the correct guess because... It's not Frozen Assets. Uh, I could, I'll tell you one more thing. They're both movies from the early 1990s. Would you like another guess before I reveal? Uh, Frozen Assets. Frozen Assets. And, Frozen Assets. Is it Cool uh, Runnings versus <sighs> something else? No. no Alex, have you got okay. anything? Well, I'm sort of looking at, I'm trying to work it out literally like Frozen Assets, as in it's a movie about finance. And then I just thought. Yeah, I thought that, uh, but then I didn't like, think that you would pick that. No, I don't know, Christopher. Okay. I really don't know. Okay, we'll go with the second film first. Uh, Vicky, you are getting yes. the 1993 Sandra Bullock vehicle, Demolition Man. <laughs> 
Alex, oh. Alex, and uh, I picked Demolition Man because that's been in the news recently. So that's something we'll be able to talk about. Uh, Alex, uh, I'm giving you the 1992 film Universal Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Vicky, Vicky, I'd... Oh, she gets a better movie. Uh, no, actually, that's interesting. I haven't seen Universal... I've watched Demolition Man a lot. I haven't seen Universal Soldier since I first watched it a very long time ago. Um, okay. Well, I'll let you... You can flip them when you're off air, but I just no. thought I would give Vicky no. the Sandra Bullock no. one. That's the correct yeah. thing to do. Exactly. I, you know, this... Seriously, you've got to give the best member of the team what they want. Um, so Rodman starting to sound bitter. <laughs> Stop it! You've got to give you've got to give Rodman the ball. <laughs> oh, I'm so delighted. We're still pleased. <laughs> um, lovely. Uh, so that is us done. Uh, we are doing Demolition Man and Universal Soldier next week. Get your homework done. In the meantime, if you want to hit us up about the Never Ending Story versus. Um, uh, the Princess Bride and complain about that result, you can on Twitter at ClashPod or email us show at ClashBird.com. Uh, if you do also want to send um, Chris and I uh, an email um, uh, citing either of us as the best member of the team, that'd be great too. Just a bit of balance, you know, parity. Love that. And also subscribe to <laughs> subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get can your I say, podcasts. Can I say one more thing about those yeah. emails and messages though? Um, we do at this point know that I'm all in uh, is referencing the fact that he's tired. So you don't need to tell us that anymore. <laughs> okay, yeah. I accept it. I accept it. Yeah. I'll accept yeah. anything if someone else, apart from you two, tells me it. That's the Vicky, basic rule. Vicky, it's finally come round to the idea that men cannot <laughs> retract their penises inside their body. It's been a real, real learning curve uh, this week on this show. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll be back in a week. Bye-bye. Uh, no, in a few days. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. <laughs> 